0: Man, that is a note I never thought would be able to be hit. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> I can only dream about singing like that. Morning, church. How's everybody doing today? i good? Hope everybody's had a blessed week so far. Get ready to start a new one. Um, I know this past week was a blessed one for me because I had the opportunity to be a part of the daycare uh, donation to Hillcrest Families on Friday. And I got to witness their donation of two wheelbarrows and a wagon full of food. To help feed 20 Hillcrest families. That was an awesome uh, thing to be a part of. And I also got to witness uh, Matthew 18 in real life. Because um, I heard they sung uh, four of their favorite chapel songs while they were there. Um, it's nice to hear that children singing that Jesus loves them and that they still have work to do. I love, I love hearing that. Um, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. If you guys want to turn there or click there in your Bibles. Um, where we're coming up. On the end of the year, and there's going to be some holidays that are going to be celebrated or mourned by most of us. I know it's not going to be long before uh, I'm up on the roof putting lights on because I'm the only person in the house that will put lights on, on the roof without having high anxiety. Um, You know, I believe this time of year brings out a lot of emotions. There's joy, anxiety, fear, and anger, just to name a few. Um, I thought of the Beatitudes when I was preparing this series. This is number three of a four-part series one of the reasons is because Jesus spoke and this was written down for us. And this chapter was a very big part of uh, when I first started becoming a Christian. I read this uh, a lot. And Matthew chapter 5 is, uh, has a big meaning for me. Because uh, uh, you guys know, a little over eight years ago, on Sunday morning, I was watching NFL with five TVs with a couple of my buddies. Church was not even a thought on my mind. Then, of course, I met a beautiful young woman who introduced me to Jesus and I fell in love with them both. I fell in love with Jesus because of the way that he taught and the way that he spoke and the way that he loved me by giving up his life for me on a cross. And, of course, I fell in love with the young woman because she smiled at me. It was very nice. Uh, so Matthew in his gospel is uh, writing to mostly Greek-speaking Jews. So that's why if you if start off in Matthew 1, you'll start a big family tree or genealogy of Jesus. It's to let the people that he was writing to know that Jesus comes from a royal bloodline. And then, of course, we have the detail of Jesus' birth, and then the visit of the uh, three wise men, or magi. There's also a version that calls them scholars, too. I've never seen that one before, but... Then an angel of the Lord comes to Joseph in his dream to have them leave and escape to Egypt, because King Herod is going to uh, come to search for Jesus to have him killed. So they flee to Egypt, and they stay there until King Herod dies, and then they go back to Nazareth. All this time, Matthew's filling in the reader on all these scriptures being fulfilled through Jesus. And he's not even a teenager yet. He's already fulfilling scriptures. And then Matthew describes how John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus' earthly ministry after his baptism. Then Jesus is tempted by the devil. And then Jesus starts his earthly ministry. He begins to preach to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Then he calls his first disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And then we read in the last part of chapter 4 that people were coming to Jesus from all over Syria for healing. Of all kinds. Physical, mental, and emotional. Okay. We just ran through the first four chapters of Matthew. Brief synopsis A lot of good stuff in there, guys. Read it this week if you get a chance. But we're going to start Matthew chapter 5. And um, Jesus sees these crowds... That are coming to him. And he goes up on a mountain. And his disciples follow him. And it says in the ESV version that in verse 2 that Jesus opened his mouth and began to teach them. Now I think the reason they Matthew wanted this put out there is because Jesus did a lot of teaching without his mouth being open. but so I think that's why he specifically said Jesus opened his mouth and taught. Now Jesus, Son of God, chose a mountain to deliver this very deep message. Which I find interesting because God gave Moses... The Ten Commandments on a mountain. Another is that Jesus sat down to teach his disciples, which, of course, at that time, Jesus, uh, the rabbis would sit and then the audience would stand. But he do not have to stand here. Don't worry about that. And it says that Jesus was teaching people that had already come to him so that they could relay this message to others that they come across. So in verse three of chapter five, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, what in English is translated as blessed or blessed, in Greek means, oh, the happiness of, or oh, how happy. And of course, be it of spiritual happiness, because regular happiness is more of an outward type thing. This happiness is talking about inward. Now, Jesus is saying that when you're at your last chance, or the end of your rope, less of you leads to more of God. You are blessed. For in spirit also means willing to submit to God's authority so that he can reign over your life. You know, it seems sometimes that God empties before he fills. It says in Jeremiah one ten, See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. You know, when we empty ourselves into somebody else to teach them the gospel, that is a, almost a guarantee that God will be filling you up so you can go out and do that again the next day or the next hour. The way that he blessed is to humble yourself before God and let him know that you need his spirit in your life because yours isn't enough. And he can't build a foundation on self-righteousness. You are so content with you and not answering to anybody and not answering to anything. That's self-righteousness. God can't build a foundation on that. It says in verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So how is mourning a blessing? Well, there's earthly grief and there's godly grief. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7.10 For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret whereas worldly grief produces death. God allows grief into our lives as a path not a destination. We know that God accepts all who confess their sins if you're mourning over decisions of your past or mourning over something that is slowly taking you away from your relationship with God, to just a little talk with Jesus make it right. Go to Him in prayer and confess to somebody that you trust. That you can get that off your chest and bring it to light so that you can continue to live your life the way that God wants you to. In uh, verse 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And this comes from Psalm thirty-seven eleven. Which says, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Because meek, by definition, is quiet, gentle, and easily imposed. Those that are meek have mastered their spirit. It's okay to get angry, but what you do with that anger is what happens when you sin. If you are angry and you can control that, and when it comes out as love and obedience to God, that is meek. It's a contrast to arrogance. It is also fruit of the Spirit, as I found out on Friday, from the children of the daycare, gentleness and self-control. In verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they should be satisfied, or they will be filled. Now, that is something that I cannot deny is when I get hungry or thirsty. One of the things I can't, is, is hunger especially. When I get hungry, as most of you know, Sarah carries around her snacks in her purse, not for her, but for me. So I get a little angry if I don't have food for a while. I'll say something, and Sarah looking up, "Did you eat something today?" Oh, "No, I haven't." That's why. And and Sarah's the same way with her thirst. She always has a water with her, and sometimes we'll be on the way into a restaurant or something, and she'll have her water with her at the stop. Her and say, babe, it's, I guarantee you, they'll have something to drink inside. So, the hunger and thirst that we have for God's word when we Like I said, when we pour that out into somebody else, God will automatically fill that back up into us. When we hunger and thirst for the truth and righteousness, that will show others that truth and righteousness is the way to live. When we respond to it, that hunger and and thirst for the truth will be filled with it. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I mean, I could preach a whole lesson just on mercy. But being merciful is to seek what is best for other people, and then you will receive mercy from God. It's a characteristic trait of our Father. We find out in Luke 6.36, it says, be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. And Matthew, later in uh, chapter 23, records Jesus calling out the Pharisees for tithing spices, but says that justice, mercy, and faithfulness are more weightier matters, or more important matters it's very serious when humans neglect or become indifferent to the sufferings of others. Verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. When your inside parts, your heart and mind and soul are in tune or harmonized with God, then you're able to see God in the outside world so much easier. Take you back to February 2009. I was working for a land surveying firm at the time and. It was a beautiful February day. Uh, the sun was shining, and my crew chief and I were in a cornfield that was eventually going to be turned into a subdivision. So it's just a big old pile of dirt, and it had snowed earlier in the month. And of course, as you know, snow melts and turn the dirt into mud. So you are walking around for hours in mud, which is very tough. Uh, after doing that for a few hours, it was lunchtime, and it was a nice enough day that we broke for lunch underneath the tree line where we're at, out in the middle of uh, the country. We just ate there. Now, usually at between two people that work on a crew, you talk the whole eight hours, so during that 30-minute break you have, no talking. But I was just sitting there, taking all that was in, you know, the sun was shining down, on the melting snow, and I knew that leaves were going to be popping up on the trees very soon. And I see some deer off in the distance, checking us out, because we were in their environment, they weren't in ours. We were kind of off the beaten path a little bit, and you could hear a lot for some distance, you know, that... Saying that silence is deafening. That's what it was. It was out in the country. You could hear everything. And I have been blessed enough to have been studying God's word up until that point for a few months. And then I realized that life was too hard without Jesus. I was reading his word, seeing it work on my heart and my mind. It led to seeing things through my eyes totally different. I was trying to see as Jesus would see. You now the person on the corner asking for money went from bum to neighbor person that goes to church all the time went from being holier than thou the family member, fellow kingdom builder, fellow sinner. Transformation. What happened? Verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. When you can show people how to get along instead of fight, you are blessed. How important was this during the last couple of months? It didn't seem like anybody got along Even if you agreed with somebody, they still found somebody to argue with. If you are a lover of peace, blessed are you in this verse. You know, if you're the designated peacemaker in your family at Thanksgiving, because of different opinions, let's not forget how to not fight and get along. Show love. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now the Greek word for persecute here is dioko, which means to run or flee from or to drive away. And when someone tries to drive you away because of your commitment to God, it'll just only drive you deeper into a relationship with Him. Jesus adds to this in verses 11 and 12. He says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When others say nasty things about you because of your devotion to Jesus and God, that usually means the truth is a little too close for comfort. And that can make people uncomfortable. truth makes a lot of people uncomfortable, as a matter of fact. That's uh, usually why it's swept under the rug, and like the ice cube in the refrigerator, just kind of left in there and never seen again. I'm safe in my own world I'm living in my own rules I don't have to answer to anybody or anything Like I said earlier, God, you can't build on that You need a foundation Of searching for truth and righteousness Not on self-righteousness We should be glad when somebody persecutes us Because of the gospel They've been doing it since the Old Testament prophets Our reward is great in heaven Jesus says, and I believe him To spend eternity with the one who created life And everything in it And to see Jesus and to spend eternity with the one who came to earth to die for us so that we can have a place with God is totally worth someone saying, you're an idiot because you believe in Jesus Christ. To me. Turn that cheek and tell them that you love them. When we submit ourselves to God and tell them we need a spirit because ours alone isn't enough. When we grieve for ourselves and others and are putting other sufferings before ours, Oh, how happy. When you hunger for truth, when you show mercy to others because of the mercy shown to you, and when your mind and soul are harmonizing with God, oh, how happy. When you seek peace and not fighting, when people persecute you for the gospel, rejoice and be glad. Oh, how happy. You know, in our relationships this week, be it professional, personal, as Christians, representatives of Christ, these Beatitudes can help us be those lights for Jesus. You know, as we follow these verses, if we follow the Beatitudes, Jesus tells us that we are the salt of the earth. The seasoning that is to bring out the flavor and essence of God. If we don't be these attitudes, we're not going to season anything. Jesus goes on and tells us that we are the light of the world in verse 14. says that we are to shine that light before others so they can see our good works and praise God because of them. Do unto others as Jesus has done for you. Do unto others as Jesus has done for you. You know, as we sing this next song and give God our glory and honor, those of you that need prayers, I invite you to come up front. And uh, we can pray over you. There will be an elder up here. There will be an elder in the back as well. For those of you who stay standing, I invite you to take that feeling of gathering with the angels' chorus and singing to God in heaven and share that with all you come across this week. These beatitudes. These attitudes we are to be. The ones we have done and the ones we are still learning to do. Because one thing that we know as Christians, you never stop learning. So as we go out this week, maybe be meek. We teach how to be righteous and hunger for truth and righteousness so that we can show Jesus to everyone that we come across and have these, be these attitudes. Let's stand and worship.